it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Have you ever wondered why we call French fries French fries? Or why something is the greatest thing since sliced bread? There are answers to those questions. Everything Everywhere Daily is a podcast for curious people who want to learn more about the world around them. Every day, you'll learn something new about things you never knew you didn't know. Subjects include history, science, geography, mathematics, and culture. If you're a curious person and want to learn more about the world you live in, just subscribe to Everything Everywhere Daily wherever you cast your pod. Hello, everyone. Hope you guys are enjoying your holidays, and Andrew and I wanted to wish you a very merry new year and come on 2021 because it sure can't be worse than 2020 huh all right so everyone this is going to be a episode from the vault andrew and i are taking a short break but we will return in the new year so again enjoy this episode and we'll see you guys next year I love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, so welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 143. Tonight, Andrew and I are going to talk about why investing in a bear market is really hard. In case you've lived under a rock recently, the stock market has been uh, up and down, mostly uh, down a lot over the last week to two. And so we thought we would kind of talk a little bit about a bear market because we have officially entered bear market territory as of today. I believe we are down around 23% so far for the year. So that is officially a bear market when we get below 20%. So uh, Andrew thought this would be appropriate for us to discuss this. So Andrew, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you get us started. And then we'll just kind of go down a rabbit hole. Yeah, I I love it. Um, Watch our timing be that the this bear market recovered by the time this goes live. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess last time we talked about coronavirus, it just happened to still be relevant a week later. Uh, mm-hmm. podcast, yeah. you, you get you get a little tape delay. <laughs> Not <laughs> a little bit longer than what they do with live TV these days. A little bit longer than five seconds. Right, yeah, delay. exactly. So uh I think there's a lot of emotions that go on and certainly regardless of how experienced you are, how knowledgeable you are and how rational you believe you are when it comes to stocks, when it comes to investing, when it comes to the market, um, how disconnected you think you are versus how engrossed you are with everything that goes in the stock market. I think it's safe to say that a lot of different thoughts go in your head that you don't normally think when stocks are fine and you know their stocks are slowly climbing up and you don't see much volatility looking at a situation like this with a bear market and you know a lot of macro trends that are very concerning we have the coronavirus um, which as of lately as of today, we had the NCAA championship close. Um, the NBA season's been suspended. Um, like, you know, you name it, right? On top of that, we have interest rates. Baseball. Sorry, Jade. <laughs> I, know, I know out of everything, that was uh, the one thing that you lamented of today. I texted you earlier. I think yes, it was like, yes. 
oh, by the way, you know, this stock's down 20%, whatever, 30%. And you're like, but baseball, and it's only a two weeks, two week delay. So come on. <laughs> I, I think you can hold off for two more weeks. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be tough. <laughs> well, while the rest of the world burns um, and you worry about your little game over there, we have other things to worry about. We have rec- so we had the interest rates go so low that there were record low thirty-year uh, fixed rates. Um, so it seems that the Fed is trying to do all they can to pump us out of this slowdown that seems to be inevitable. Uh, and, and so we we just there's a lot of fear and uncertainty that goes along with that. And then all baked into it, you have this developing situation in the Middle East where crude oil dropped something like 30% overnight. And it seems like World War III could be upon us between Russia and Saudi Arabia. So they're fighting over oil and kind of politicking there. And it's um, affecting the whole stock market as a whole. I think a lot of people would argue who are knowledgeable in the situation with what's going on with crude, that that could be having a much bigger impact on what you're seeing with the market rather than just the coronavirus on its own. And then obviously when you combine the two, you get this insane concoction that is just really tough to observe and be a part of as an investor. So with all that backdrop and kind of trying to get context in the situation we're in, there's a lot of different thoughts that go through your head. So the very first one, I think, and we got a good listener question too. I want to get to that eventually. But the very first one that I think it, it, it crossed my mind, but at the same time, it's something that I kind of know the answer to. So I'll say it, but I'm sure a lot of people are thinking it. So when it, when you look at a bear market like this, it's easy to pull up your brokerage statement, look at your different positions and see it's possible you might see all losses on your portfolio. And so you might, and, and it depends on when you started, it depends on what moves you've made uh, to get up to this point. And so looking at a screen like that, you could start to think, well, I would have been better off never investing at all. And you could start to think, well, all this time, you know, you see headlines and, or in the media, people will say, here's, a year, here's two years of gains wiped out, you know, things of that nature. And so it can be really easy to be pessimistic about that part of the investment performance. So I thought maybe we we talk about that first and why, what are some ways we can kind of flip the narrative so you don't feel like you've wasted all of your time, all your energy and all your money on these stocks that are now crashing. Dave? Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And I think the first thing that you have to realize when you're looking at your portfolio, when I looked at mine today, uh, everything was down for the year. Everything was down. Uh, I cannot brag and say that, hey, I got, you know, no, <laughs> mine's all down. And, you know, I invest a lot in banks. Uh, I think we, everybody knows that I'm big in financials and they have been blistered over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and they're all down, uh, ally, Wells Fargo, JP Morgan, uh, Prudential, uh, uh, principal group. I mean, just, you name it, just wham, 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 wham. Uh, Prudential was down 20% today, 20%. It was like, wow. But, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to, to look at that. I was mentioning to Andrew, for me, maybe I'm a little bit weird. You know, I just kind of seem to kind of, I can, kind of disassociate myself with it and just remember that it's a, it's a number and I don't really think about it in the way of like, Oh my God, I lost this much money kind of thing today. The way I generally tend to look at it is that it's, uh, it's down, but it'll go back up and I know it will. And I, I just have this confidence and faith that it will go back uh, the other direction at some point. Will it happen tomorrow? Probably not. But in six months, a year, two years, it will be higher than it is today. And will it be where I bought it at? At some point, yes, it will. And I know that the water will <laughs> will rise again at some point. And 
if those companies are good companies, which I believe that they are, then I think that they will survive this and that they will come out better in the long run. And, you know, I think you have to remember that until you actually sell the stock, it's not a loss. So, you know, keep that, try to keep that in your head. You know, when you see that it's negative, you see that it's down and it's scary and it's nerve wracking and it's freaking you out. You always have to remember it's not a loss until you sell it, until you, you know, paid a hundred dollars for it yesterday and now you're selling it for $50. Yeah. You lost that 50 bucks. It's never coming back. But if you believe that the company is good and it will continue to do well, uh, you know, I, told everybody that I was looking at Disney. I bought Disney twice in the last two weeks, the last week and a half. Uh, and it's still down from when I bought it, but I think Disney's a great company. Is it going to go through a little bump in a road here? Yep, it is. But I believe that it's a good company and it will go back and it will recover. And I just have to remember that. And that's where I think a lot of the attitudes and the fundamentals that Andrew and I have talked about over the last, you know, two and a half, three years that we've been doing this are so critical and so important, especially in times like this, because those are the things that help you find good companies that will rebound. Uh, and I think the other thing you have to remember is we're all human, even Warren Buffett, you know, as as great as an investor as he is, he didn't see this coming with the oil. Yeah, he got out of Phillips 66 at a good time, but he also is getting zinged by, you know, Oxy right now. Uh, they're down half and they just cut their dividend. So, you know, he's not looking so great in that investment, but you know, he's Warren Buffett. It, it's, it, I'm sure it's going to do great, but everybody's getting burned by this. So if you're down, don't feel bad. And it, remember, it's not a loss till you sell it. Yeah, that's super key. I think something I noticed, um, I don't think it comes very intuitively or it's not very obvious. If you're doing what we preach on the podcast, for one, um, investing with money that you can afford to lose for two, um, money that you don't need in the short term, we have all the time in the world to uh, wait for that stock to rebound. So just like we say that Warren Buffett says he likes to wait for the fat pitch and he'll just keep waiting and there's no penalty for waiting, uh, you can wait on an investment as long as you want. Uh, for it to recover uh, until either the company goes bankrupt or you lose patience. So that's another asset that you can kind of put in your back pocket. Um, and if you can disassociate from the loss like Dave's able to, I think that's obviously very, very helpful as well. The other thing is if you are practicing what we preach, um, buying low, sometimes taking profits and selling high if, if a stock becomes too overvalued, or if the thesis for why you bought a stock is not there anymore, it's not one of your dividend fortress forever positions, and this is just something that uh, you're going to buy low, sell high. Well, over the years, as you've been doing this, um, you've been taking profits off the table, hopefully. And so when you look at your brokerage statement and you pull that up on the home screen, you're not going to see the gains that you've had. So as an example right now with... Um, the market down 20 plus percent over the past couple weeks. Uh, if they're all positions that you've recently entered in, they're all going to be negative. And so uh, all your previous gains aren't going to show up there. So in the final kind of profit loss plus minus, um, the situation is going to look a lot worse than where you were. And so I think that's another mental... I don't know, like a, a mental deception that you could fall into if you're not aware that, that that's, you know, what you see on your homepage for your brokerage account is not reality. You know, you've had other trades before that and it doesn't tell the whole picture of your investments in general. The other part of that, and I think this is super, super key and hopefully one of the bigger takeaways from this episode. This is something I do pretty regularly. I guess I don't talk about it much. Um, but I like to track the dividends I've received over time. And so when you are doing a drip, when you are receiving dividends, reinvesting those dividends, and as you're accumulating shares, 
And especially at a time like this, when stocks are beaten up, so you're able to buy more and more shares, you're going to see those total dividend payments to your account grow and they'll start to mushroom over time. And so if you look at your portfolio rather than looking at a profit or a loss perspective, but you look at, um, these are the dividends I got three years ago for the entire year. This was last year. And then you kind of look at that year over year growth. And then now you're in um, whatever you got this year. That's a really, really nice way to see where your progress has been, regardless of where your stocks are trading now. And so that's something you can have a lot more control over rather than what Mr. Market is feeling on a particular day. And especially at a time like now where, uh, as we record this on March 12th, there's been moves like I've never seen. I mean, um, these stocks are moving as if they're options, like multiple percentage points in seconds jumping up and down. And these are for, you know, generally conservative, um, widely invested, uh, considered safe stocks that because of the coronavirus are just unpredictable and kind of rightly so because the there are going to be huge implications here but things like airlines you know cruise ships even even um like the banks right that dave's talking about these are all getting they're they're trading like as if they were tesla or some high flying bubble stock and so with these types of moves you have to realize well i've, I've been in the market for a little while and i know this is not this is not the daily reality, right? This is something different. So maybe looking at where those results are will show me that this isn't really the honest kind of long-term situation. It's not reflective of my overall results. And so instead of taking that at face value and saying, man, my portfolio is down. I'm a terrible investor. I've just lost money and I've lost time and I've wasted my time. And all this time has been for nothing. That's not the case whatsoever when you consider what you've been investing for, hopefully from the very beginning. And we talk about this. We, we, we tried to drill this in in our Back to the Basics series, which starts on episode 43. But really, at, at the at most fundamental part of an investment is an income stream that you are receiving for your investment. So... Yes, the stock can move up and down, jump 20%, drop 50%. But at the end of the day, if you're still receiving that income stream, that, that investment is doing a lot of what you wanted it to do anyway. And so it's not so much over the very, very long term. It's not so much that you're going to get every stock pick correct with every single one having crazy performance. It's It's really building that compound interest over time. And that's really what's what's the key here. So your compound interest is still working. And if you stick to the plan, this is where you'll see huge jumps in that compound interest. Cause right now you can get fantastic yields. You can buy a lot more shares. Um, and as long as you don't sell and panic sell, yes, if you sell, then yeah, now you've, you've erased all of your progress because you've, like Dave said, you've locked in that loss. And so regardless of how many dividends you've received, if that investment is at a loss, you know, you, you take the net of how many you've received in dividends and likely the loss will probably be more depending on how long you've held the investment. Um, but if you continue to hold, you believe that humanity is strong, that we can survive an, a pandemic, right? If the economy can get itself churning again, eventually, if we can, if, if the Fed can figure out and make a balance with the economy, if oil will finally settle to a place that's more reasonable rather than a price that will bankrupt a lot of the major oil companies. All of these things, as they start to subside and and things start to get back to normal, then all the people who haven't panicked will see not only continued progress through how their investments have gone, but likely see a huge acceleration period in this compound interest stage because this is you know, we try not to get too excited about it because obviously there's a lot of pain out there, but this is one of the greatest potentials as far as 
where your investments will will see major jumps and, and your results over the long term. And a lot of that has to do with the compounding. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before Nerd Wallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. Let's be honest here. Your sex life is important. It helps us feel more confident and boosts our happiness. But sometimes we struggle to perform. Our life gets in the way. This is where hymns can help. With their convenient and discreet online platform, you can get help for your erectile dysfunction from the comfort and privacy of your own home. No more waiting rooms. No more awkward conversations. Just a simple, direct path to treatment that works around your life, not interrupts it. Invest in your health today. Hims is changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand-name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and 100% online. No uncomfortable doctor visits. Answer a series of questions on their site, and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance is needed. If ED is getting you down, it's time you join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMSS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash investing. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash investing for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMSS.com slash investing. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety and effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. If you're listening to Investing for Beginners, then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances. Everyone's Talking Money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner, Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. 
With over 900 episodes, there's a show for any and every money question you have. I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, Stop Stressing Over Your Money, a simple budgeting solution, where she talks about her simple, easy one, two, three system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I totally agree. And that is a fantastic point about the, the dividends. And I, I'm really gr- glad you brought that up. I, I I've been reading a lot on uh, Twitter and Seeking Alpha and different websites, uh, trying to just kind of find, you know, guidance and reassurance and just kind of help, you know, make me feel like I'm in control of what I'm thinking. And a, a couple thoughts that kind of popped into my head while you were talking about the dividend part of it. So last week we had a gentleman that was asking about creating a dividend portfolio. Uh, and we were talking a little bit about dividend aristocrats. Uh, by and large, most of those previous were kind of out of the price range. They were expensive, uh, across the board. Just as a generality, a lot of them were overvalued and were overpriced. And now they're going to start moving into an opportunity where you may be able to buy some of these companies. Uh, for example, Target today was down 12%. Walmart was down 9%. Walgreens was down 11%. Uh, Coke was down 10%. Contour Brands, who make uh, Wrangler and Wheatley Jeans, was down 10% today. These are all companies that have been paying a dividend for 25 years plus and have been growing the dividend during that period. And by and large, most of these companies did well during the last great recession that we had in 07 through 09. So these are, by and large, strong, stable, well-run companies that have great balance sheets, uh, are in a good position with a lot of assets, low debt, and are in good positions to weather storms like this. And so those would be opportunities to buy. And there's a, there's a gentleman who uh, used to write uh, for a blog called Base Hit Investing. His name is John Huber. And if you're not familiar with him, he's somebody you should definitely check out. He runs uh, Saber Capital, uh, his investment firm. And now all of his letters come through there. But his name is John Huber, H-U-B-E-R. And he wrote this fantastic article uh, a couple weeks ago about the history of stock market crashes and how you can react to them. And one of the things that he brought up multiple times in the article, which I thought was really appropriate, was we as investors generally have, especially value investors, we have one or two times, maybe three times in an investing lifetime where we're going to have an opportunity to really find potential companies to buy that will create a lot of wealth for us over the long term. And if you have as Andrew was talking about, if your horizon is farther than a year, then you are going to be in a really, really, really good place. And I, again, I don't want to be super gleeful and talk about, you know, back up the truck and that kind of thing. And that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is as a value investor, we try to find companies that are on a discount that are on sale. Everything's going on sale now. So this is an opportunity for us to find great companies. Value as a style of investing has struggled over the last 10 years or so. And it's a lot because there just hasn't been a lot of great things to buy. And Warren Buffett has gotten a huge amount of flack for sitting on tons and tons and tons of, of cash and not buying anything. And he kind of just ignores it and just kind of keeps doing his thing because that's, that's what he does. And I'm going to guess if we look at his 13F filings over the next couple of quarters, you're going to see a lot more purchases because of the opportunities that are presenting themselves. And this is when value investors can make their bank is when things like this happen because everybody, there's so much fear in the market and we are looking at a great company like a Target or a Walmart or a Disney or a Hormel or whoever it may be that are great, strong companies and have lots of dividends and growing dividends. And they're going to continue to pay the dividend through this period. And that is pretty much a fact. And if you can 
buy those companies cheaper, you get more dividends, you get more reinvestment. And over the long term, five, 10 years from now, you're going to thank me for listening to what we're talking about, because this is where you're going to make some money. Even though when you look at everything right now, it's all negative and it's scary. But this is when we need to think about our principles and think about what it is we're trying to do and what our goals are. And panicking and selling quickly is not what we're all about. And what Andrew was talking about with the dividends and the reinvestment, that is so key and that is so vital to creating wealth for yourself. And this is the time that you can take advantage of it. And so that is something that I would definitely encourage you to remember and try to take a lap. You know, Steve Jobs uh, talks, used to talk about when people would get frustrated when they're working on a big project, he would tell them to take a lap <laughs> and try to cool, to cool down and calm down. And that's something that I think we just need to do during this time period is, you know, remember what you're trying to do and remember your goals and think about what Andrew was talking about with the dividends. That is really going to be your ace in a hole as we go forward, because even if the company's price is down, it's still going to be paying that dividend. You're still getting money for that and it's creating more shares. So when the stock starts to rebound and it will, then things will be, you'll be in a much better shape and you'll be like, yeah. So anyway, that's, that's my thought. Hey, you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. Yeah, I love it. And I think it's something that we really need to pound into the head and really try to remove all doubt because I think sitting at the top of a bull market, it's really easy to say, you know, oh, I I wish I had a bunch of money in 2008, 2009 um, because I would have backed up the truck. Um and I think it's it's really easy to get and get kind of stuck in that without understanding the context of a situation like that. So back then, people literally thought the the whole financial system was going to collapse, um, and you had these huge kind of former blue chip stocks collapse, and that obviously set a lot of fear through people, and and they they just saw kind of like a different world. And so I think when you're dealing with any bull market or I'm sorry, bear market, there are going to be certain developments that come by that make it really hard to buy into these stocks that are really beaten up. So let's let's give an example. You have the airline stocks, right? This um so something that really triggered a lot of the selling yesterday Obviously, the player in the NBA finding out he had coronavirus and then also Trump banning travel to Europe for a time. So this is unprecedented uh, thing of action that we've never seen before. And so rightfully so, to a degree, right? So I got to be careful with my words here, but rightfully so, the market sold off on a lot of the airline stocks. Because logically, you can just kind of put two and two together, right? Well, there's a travel ban on flying to Europe. Different airlines have a percentage of their revenues on flights to Europe. So now these different airlines are not going to be able to earn as much this year in profits because of this travel ban. So let's say I have a airline that flies and it gets 20% of its profit from its flights to Europe. So let's say let's take a worst case scenario and there's no flights to Europe through the end of the year. So to me, if I'm valuing that stock, I'm seeing, Hey, I'm seeing 20% less profit for this year. So I'm going to take 20% off my valuation. And so that's where a lot of the selling comes from. Right. And so that does make sense. Like we just kind of walk that through and it's like, yeah, I think, I think I would agree that 20% less profit this year is, is is the right target, and so you, that's why you'll see these this massive sell off. But what you have to again, you have to put that ace in your pocket. Is the only way that we're able to not even like get an advantage over Wall Street, but just have like a fighting chance is the fact that we are average investors, and 
if time is our biggest asset and the fact that we don't have to pick a certain timeline to to have a certain performance, well then yes, uh I could be buying into a stock that is gonna earn twenty percent less this year, but still be okay buying it because I think like Dave has been saying, eventually over the long term, this is a good business. And so maybe cash flows and earnings will be kind of tightened and it's not going to be as good as, as previously thought. But once it all falls out, this company should eventually recover. They should eventually get to a place like they were at the end of 2019 with lots of profits. And they were buying back all these shares because they just didn't know what to do with all the cash, right? So yeah, we're not going to be at that place now because there are real developments happening and they are affecting the business negatively. And you will see that with profits this year. But does that mean over a 5, 10, 15 year time period that that same airline stock is really worth 20% less? See, that's where I would question that part. And so what your biggest advantage can be as an investor who is going to compound and build this wealth over time through dividends, who's not going to panic because you need to hit a certain number this year, right? Or you got to hit a certain performance in two years, or you're, you're coming up on an annual bonus on Wall Street and you really wanted to take that vacation next year. You don't have to worry about any of that, right? You're on your own timeline. You get to choose, pick and choose where you're going to buy, where you're going to sell. And so rather than looking at the negatives of this, if you kind of look at the positives, that there's probably a lot of businesses where, yes, they're going to, they are trading lower for a reason. But at the same time, the very long term, it's a good, there's a good chance that over the very long term, they can come out from the other side. Then that's where you have to make, that's, I guess, the very important part. You have to make that distinction. And so, this is where come having a good understanding of balance sheets and income statements really comes in because now if you can pick and choose and you can see maybe there's one company that did re- let's say they did really well last year with profits and they had a ton of cash but now but you know they did it by having so much debt at the same time now, if they have a 20% bump in their earnings, they won't be able to service their debt. And so there's a chance they could go bankrupt. Now, that's a situation where this 20% loss in earnings could be absolutely detrimental and, and you could totally lose everything when it comes to that investment. So that's where having the knowledge of the balance sheet to know that I'm buying these stocks that not only have good brand names, but they also have strong balance sheets. And so they're not going to be pressed. If, if they don't earn as much this year, that's a huge, 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 huge important part of this too, is you want to make sure you're buying strong companies and not strong companies because I see them down the street for me and I, and I like them, but strong because they have the financials to back them up and you have the knowledge to understand those. And so that's really what's going to separate like a Lehman Brothers, which was a big name or an Enron, which was another big name versus all the rest that stay. And a lot of times it just comes down to those financials. I totally agree. And I I think thinking about the balance sheet and thinking, that's why Andrew and I talk a lot about these different subjects is because they are important and they're important to know and to understand how they interconnect and how important they really are. And if a company is losing money, and when I'm talking about losing money, let's say that their revenues are not covering their expenses, and so their earnings are negative. And that's when that starts to become a problem. It's you know fine and dandy when everything is going up and there's a lot of liquidity out in the market and they're able to borrow money and continue their operations. It's a lot harder when a situation like this occurs and the market is in such flux and liquidity starts to dry up because there's no way there's no bank in the world that's going to give you money if the company is struggling because they're not 100% sure that they'll you'll be able to make your payments and so it's very it's just a straight economic you know uh transaction i'm not going to give you the money because i'm not sure you're going to pay me back and so 
some of these companies that have, you know, been on the struggle bus, as far as their earnings go, somebody like a, you know, a Tesla, for example, they're not making money. And so in a situation like this, this is when it becomes hard for a business like that, a Snapchat, uh, Uber, uh, any of those companies that have come out of IPOs recently that have been on the big old struggle bus as far as trying to make money. They are not making enough money to pay their interest payments on their debts because they're not making money from their income statement. And so that's where kind of understanding a little bit about how some of those factors work on the income statement and the balance sheet will really come into play when you're starting to try to find good companies, if that's something that you want to do during this time period. And that's why studying these aspects of the financials of businesses can really be a valuable tool in a situation like this. It's not only trying to find a company that's undervalued, it's also trying to find a company that could be in trouble in a situation like this. And Andrew mentioned Enron and he also mentioned um, Lehman Brothers. Sometimes when you know when we go through a time like this, it can actually be and again, I don't want this to sound bad. I don't mean it to sound bad, but sometimes a situation like this can actually be beneficial because it can wipe away rot. It can get rid of companies that really shouldn't be doing what they're doing. And Lehman Brothers was, you know, in a really bad spot, as was Enron. And they were being run by people that were not doing ethical things and they were taking advantage of the situation and were running unprofitable companies that were manipulating things such that they were trying to do it for their own personal gain. And when something like this happens, it exposes them like uh, Buffalo likes to say, you can always tell who's swimming naked when the tide goes out. And that's what happened to those companies. And I'm sure with what's going on now, and if we do slide into a recession, that there will be some companies that you're going to see we're swimming naked, and this will help eliminate them uh, in the long run. And I, you know, it's I don't want that to sound flippant or like a dismissal because obviously people work there, and losing their job is a horrible, crappy thing to go through, and all the ramifications of that is it's never good. But sometimes there are times where those companies just need to go away. And these are times that some of that stuff can and will happen. But again, going back to the fundamentals, understanding what it is you're buying and having a plan are things that can help you save you from getting stuck in some of those situations. Can I make a somewhat possibly controversial statement, which by the way, like the way you broke down, I think people should go back and listen to it again. Like you so simply broke down what everybody on CNBC, when they bring in an expert and they say, Hey, is this company going to make it? And then they get down into all the jargon and stuff. And and really at the end of the day, it comes down to what you were saying, you know, are you going to be able to pay me? That's, that's the bottom line. So uh, that can kind of boil down where a lot of these companies are in distress, uh, which ones kind of have a good chance to make it through. Obviously, we want to try to avoid that as much as we can uh, from the onset. But to give an example possibly here, like Robinhood, right? Um, Yeah. uh, So they came in and they really revolutionized the industry and they kind of change it for the better for the consumer where they made a lot of things, you know, obviously now we have free zero commission trading. That's awesome. And a lot of the big players followed suit. What that's done, the ramifications of that is it's hurt a lot of the, so if you own any of the major brokerages, um, you had a lot of money taken from you because now those companies aren't able to be as profitable. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's just kind of capitalism, right? But when you start to... If we start to look at their financials, and I don't know the answer to this, but if it comes down to that, they were able to... you know, How are they able to do zero commissions? And is, if it's because they're just irresponsibly piling on debt to to make that happen... That's not sustainable and that arguably shouldn't continue to happen because now we're just penalizing 
all the other companies who are doing it the right way and you're penalizing all of those investors, right? So that's kind of, I think, one way to think of clearing the rot uh, uh, and, cl- and thinking of the, the good side of that. And then secondly, which makes me question their financials is the fact that their platform has been notoriously bad. And especially in the past six months, um, you don't have to go, you don't have to look very far on Google to see people who have screenshotted all of these different times that Robinhood has just stopped working, you know, <laughs> like while the market's open and people have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars of trades open and they're trying to exit them or whatever they're trying to do. And, and they're just not able to do anything because the app's broken. The fact that they've allowed these crazy kind of, uh, margin situations that any decent financial company would not allow. Um, so really, you know, it just seems like they're kind of out of their league a little bit and maybe a little bit too ambitious, kind of like the guy who got too close to the sun. So it's good for those things to to flush themselves out of the system because uh, if they're hurting a lot of people in the process, then I don't think that's good business. And it's good, again, to get that silver lining behind what, what would go on in a situation like this. I think that could be a good example of it being better for everybody. I agree. That's a fantastic example. Yeah. Uh, Robin Hood has uh, certainly been in the news for the last couple of weeks and not, not for good reasons. That's, uh, they've definitely been on the struggle bus lately with the app not working. And I believe they, uh, they maxed out their credit limit as well, uh, recently. So that surprise, caused some surprise. problems. Yeah. <laughs> so that caused some problems as well. So yeah, it's been, uh, hasn't been a great couple of weeks for them. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, before we sign off, I, I really liked this question. I thought we could tackle it really quickly. Absolutely. So, uh, excuse me. Um, on Twitter, somebody reached out to me and said, I'm new to investing in single stocks, been in mutual funds with an advisor for years, dollar cost averaging. I'm only using my Roth options, so $6,000 a year. Is it crazy for me to invest 100% of my 2020 Roth funds right now with the state of the market? Dave, what do you think? Uh, no, I don't think it's crazy. Uh, this would be a time that I would be looking at trying to buy, uh, stocks, uh, trying to be in mutual funds or ETFs right now would be a little bit scary because there's, you know, a huge outflow from all of those, uh, with the market, you know, crashing, you know, the FANG stocks have been hammered just like everybody else. And those are a huge, uh, aspect of mutual funds and ETFs. So I, I, yeah, I would definitely be, this would be a time for me that I would be definitely looking at buying individual stocks. I think we've been talking about that for the last half an hour or so. So I'm going to play devil's advocate and I'm not going to do it just for the sake of it because I have a similar situation. (laughs) (laughs) I have a similar situation um, in my own personal life. So I will be taking a lump sum and spreading it out. Uh, for several months and for several reasons. So the first couple times the market has really crashed, crashed. Um, I've definitely been active in picking up positions and I've done it again. And I did it again today. And each time I've done it, the market has continued to fall. And so to kind of, I don't know how to say this in like, a PG way, but like to like not shoot your load all at once and have nothing left. Um, I think could be unfortunate for you from a psychological perspective. If you're really hoping to maximize on the bottom, so to say, so I don't know, like I don't think you're crazy to invest a hundred percent right now. I don't think you're crazy to not invest a hundred percent and kind of, uh, go in over time like I'm going to be doing. It's just, it's hard to say and timing it is really impossible. And so you just have to be prepared for the fact that it could drop and just continue to drop and it could drop for a long time. When you look back at other bear markets, we're not talking about like a couple weeks. We're talking about usually a couple months, sometimes more. 
And when where it stands right now with the coronavirus, um, the optimistic point of view is that it's slowed down in China. So that's great. So I think that bodes well for the overall um, situation. However, it's really just kind of unraveling right now. And we haven't had any sort of... Um, I think a lot more things can close down and that can cause, and the ramifications are just starting to be felt economically. And so I think that could make this depressing time in the market continue for quite a while. And so that, that part makes me cautious. And the fact that I just, as I kind of look over time, it's, it's never really been any one stock pick for me. That's, that's done the best. It's always like, I spread as as I've as I've done less concentration and more just kind of spreading out my stock picks and diversifying more. I've, I've found that those stock picks do well, and so diversifying from a stock perspective and a time perspective, um, I, I just for whatever reason I'm awful at guessing which stock will be great in the next six months. But it's the system itself is is doing pretty well. So I think from my standpoint, that's how I look at it. I don't. I don't think I have any special timing um, abilities, and so as somebody who's trying to buy and take advantage of it, at the same time you have to be okay with understanding you're not going to completely maximize this downturn. I think it's impossible to. So try not to freak out if you if you buy and, and it continues dropping another twenty percent. At the same time, don't be surprised if if this prolongs for quite a while. All right, folks. Well, that is going to wrap up our discussion for this evening. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and I hope you learned a thing or two and I hope you go away with it with a little bit more confidence that you feel like you are under control and you know what you're doing. If you guys enjoyed the show, please take a moment to subscribe. And if you're really enjoying the show, take a few minutes to give us a review, a five-star review. would be fantastic. It helps us go up in the ratings and we can help more people. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety. Emphasis on the safety. Have a great week and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time. Have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.